Welcome to New People, New Ways, a podcast in partnership with Fresh Expressions Florida and Fresh Expressions United Methodist that explores new ways of being church through the stories and insights of scholars and practitioners alike. I'm Piper Ramsey Sumner, a layperson and cultivator of Fresh Expressions for the Florida Conference of the UMC. And I'm Michael Adam Beck. I'm the director of Fresh Expressions United Methodist and the director of Fresh Expressions Florida. And today we are joined by my friend, Lexi Hernandez. Uh, Lexi's 26 years old. She lives in North Carolina with her husband, Tony, and their dog, Bear. I love that she had to get her dog in there. Uh, Lexi planted and leads Growth Co., which is an intentional spiritual formation community for people in their 20s and 30s that operate um, both online and in person. And she became a local pastor in the United Methodist Church in the summer of 2021. Yeah, y'all make some noise out there, (laughs) listeners. Uh, Looks forward to what the Holy Spirit has in store for the future. Uh, And I've got to be with Lexi. She's just a ball of energy and joy and creativity. And Lexi, thank you so much for giving us your time to be with us here on the podcast. I'm super excited. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. So the first question we like to ask everybody uh, who comes on is, who is Lexi Hernandez? Oh, goodness. Um, Okay, I can, I really like to talk, so I'll try to make it short and sweet, but um, I do feel like I have to go back to the beginning so you can get the full, full scope and picture. So um, my parents were 15 when they had me. I'm 26 now. My parents are 42. And um, so that created a really intimate household for me. I have, uh, my parents are not together. I have six siblings on my dad's side and one sibling on my mom's side. So there's a lot of us and it's amazing. I love that. I did not grow up in a household that attended church. They did believe in God, but they didn't really do anything um, like to to show it, they would ask for prayers and thoughts and those kinds of things. But we didn't go to church, not even on Easter or Christmas Eve. So it was really something that I developed on my own the older I got. Um, I went to school. I went to Appalachian State University, which is in the mountains of North Carolina. My degree is in advertising and English. I love to read. I love to write. I ask a million questions to everyone about everything. Um, And I did not even know until COVID that I wanted to work at the church. So my first job outside of college was um, marketing director for a nonprofit called Vigilante Truth that fought sex trafficking in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. And unfortunately, due to COVID, that nonprofit lost its funding and I had no job. I was looking for something to do. And a local church that one of my family friends went to, West United Methodist in Mooresville, which is here locally, they were looking for a 10-hour-a-week intern to do social media. And I was like, oh, I can do social media. So that's how I got my foot in the door. And then less than a year later, I was full-time, and we were developing Growth Co. So everything in the Growth Co. slash church world for me has happened really, really quickly. I've only ever been to this church that I work at. And um, that's only been two years now. So I'm still extremely new, but things are happening and God is definitely in them. So that's me. I love music too. That's, that's most important. If you know me, I love music. I'll talk music all day long. Concerts are my favorite thing in the world. And in 2023, I'm going to learn how to play the bass guitar. So that's my goal for the year. Nice. Nice. Good Good New Year's resolution. Learn a new instrument. I love it. That's cool. We'll have to talk about music some more. That has become a running theme. Um, a lot of other people that we've interviewed have talked about how important music is to them. Yeah. Can you tell us more about the story, the story of Growth Co.? Yeah. Or do you have something about music? Well, I was going to say, Ray has musical talent. I do not. So that would probably be the only difference that I can say so far. I love music, have no musical talent. So I'm going to try to learn uh, yeah. an instrument. Yes. But even listening, even listening is, can be, have a spiritual element to it and is important. So many people that listen to music without playing it or producing it themselves for sure. So that's cool. 
So Growth Co. Yeah. How did it come to be and what was your part in the story? So at West United Methodist Church, my first full-time position with them was actually with children and youth. And that was in the middle of the COVID pandemic. So we were trying to brainstorm ways that we could get the children involved without actually coming to church on Sundays. And so uh, we developed a little free subscription box that we would send out to the members and it would have um, craft materials, science experiment materials and fun little things for them in the box. And we would create a YouTube episode. We would film it in-house. I would edit it on Final Cut Pro and we would put it on YouTube. And so that was our children's ministry. And then one day I was just like kind of jealous of the kids getting the boxes. I was like, wait a second, like that would be really cool to get. And then I started thinking like, how can we do that for people my age or young adults in general? And so I took it to Andrea Smith, who's the senior pastor at West. And I asked her what it would look like if we do a small group for young adults specifically, because there wasn't one at the church yet. And then I brought up the subscription box idea. And she talked to Rob Hutchinson, who is church vitality at our conference. And he was like, oh, it's a great idea. It should be a church plant. And I'm like, well, what's a church plant? You know, <laughs> like I didn't even know what any of that was. So in my mind, it was just going to start as like a small group with this free subscription box during COVID. And it's just blown up. Hmm. So why do you think more young people are drawn to spiritual, uh, intentional spiritual communities like Growth Co? In my opinion, from what I'm, uh, what I've observed from friends and peers is that it's funny because I joke and say we kind of have um, an issue with authority, but it's like we just don't want to be told what to do and feeling like we have to go somewhere on Sunday and that's the only place that we can have a relationship with God or to explore our spirituality. Um, it just felt like limiting and we just didn't want to do it. So it was more like, how can we fuse together our real life and our spiritual life? And like, we all know here that that should be the same thing, but to a lot of people who don't know what they're looking for or what they believe yet, it can feel completely separate. Even for me, when I first started going to the church, I was like, okay, I'm going to dress the best I can on Sundays when I'm there working and when I'm listening and when we're telling everybody, hey, and bye, and I'm just going to be the best version of me. But then after church, I'm going to go to the bar with my other friends who weren't at church, and then we're going to have lunch and I'm going to have margaritas. And it felt like two separate people. So I think a lot of young adults are struggling with trying to figure out how they can fuse it all together instead of feeling like it has to be two separate things. Maybe. Yeah. I, and I wonder, so for a long time in like the inherited attractional way of church, um, <clears throat> which has been like a, a really prominent feature of like Christendom kind mm -hmm. of Christianity, there's been this sharp divide, if you will, between like sacred and secular. Yeah. And sacred was like when you come into the church house and you do the church stuff, but then everything outside of that, you know, was maybe not so sacred or whatever. Um, and what I appreciate about um, like what I've seen in you and your ministry and is like you're seeing all those things as sacred, like gathering with friends to have a margarita and and um, have conversations is is sacred. Um, having friendships, you know, that have meaning and significance. Um, is sacred. Like when we were, where were we in uh, Charlotte? Was it where we ate um, like ice cream and yeah. <laughs> um, cereal? What was it? Like fruity pebbles and yep. cookie crisp, everything. <laughs> cookie crisp and I, yeah, whatever that place was in Charlotte, that was awesome. But that was sacred, yeah. right? Like literally, that was like sacramental almost. Yeah. But um, so I feel like you're kind of leading us. Um, the, leading the rest of us into a way of being church and thinking about church that doesn't have that clear demarcation of like, this is sacred, this is not. And, and you're helping maybe um, your generation and really all generations kind of see that in a new way, I hope. Thanks. It's funny, we have um, 
our leadership team, there's only two of us who live here locally, locally, and then the other four live out of state and they live in different states. And Julian, he's one of the guys on our leadership team. He has been on the leadership team since Growth Co. began, and he still claims that he's an atheist. And and we're like, hey, that's cool. You, If that's what you believe that you are, that that's totally fine. But he is the first one to always encourage us in our group texts to like check in on us and to do all those things. So I'm always in the background like, yeah, Julian, I see you, but you continue to do whatever you think you're doing. Um, So I think that's another aspect too. When you question anything about Christianity, other generations think that it could be like blasphemous or like you should never question things or explore things in um, ways that they don't agree with sometimes. So in Growth Co., it's okay, Julian, if you consider yourself an atheist, that's totally fine. You are still welcomed and loved here in this group and community. So we have a ton of people who either grew up in the church or they're coming into the church for the first time. And they're still like, Hey, I'm not sure if I agree with this part, but they're willing to have conversations about it. So I think that's why our community is, um, successful at the moment is because they're not looking at me as the leader and thinking that I have all the answers. And I'm very straight up about that. Like I do not have all of the answers. I learn from you as much as I hope you can learn from me. And most of our gatherings, I don't even lead them because that's just not how I want to lead. That's not how I feel called to lead. So, or how I feel, you know what I mean? (laughs) Feel called to lead. So Yeah. yeah, it's just, one huge community of people who respect you no matter what it is you do or don't believe. And we're here to encourage you and love on you mm-hmm. on that journey. Yes. Well, well, I really appreciate that. Um, Piper, before you jump in on this, uh, just the idea of the one dispenser of religious knowledge that has all mm-hmm. the answers and everybody kind of surrounds that person. And there's like a power hierarchy and all that. Um, that's gone really, really bad in the church's <laughs> history, right? Like no. that's where abuse creeps in and scandal and all those things. But when you create like a flattened kind of polycentric community where everybody is kind of an equal and we're exploring those answers together and we're like in a posture of wonder and mystery um, and like that, that takes a special uh, skill that you have to be able to kind of facilitate that and to see that. Um, but I think it's so important and refreshing, like for the church today, it doesn't have to be this hierarchy pyramid, you know, religious professional idea. It's a community of people and Jesus is the center of the community. Mm -hmm. And we're all kind of gathered around Jesus leading us together. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. I think that idea of, um, horizontal power, you know, we all can have, Mm -hmm. share it together as like a big web, you know? Um, and I think as well, like, um, you were talking about authenticity. That was one of the questions we had was you, you talk a lot with growth co about authenticity. And that's what you kind of hinted at at the beginning about you not wanting to have to kind of put on a different mask or like a different kind Mm -hmm. of persona or whatever that it's all still Lexi but it's not fully you. You want to be able to be fully you when you're with other people. And especially when you're talking about um, your spiritual life and you have questions and doubts and things like that. And the church should be the place where one would feel the most comfortable to do that. But I feel like authenticity is a big part that a big piece that a lot of churches are missing even if they hope that they do create that space, just the nature of how, our culture around church and the way that church has been for these last couple of generations, if not, you know, however long, a thousand years or more, um, it's been, not been a place where you can fully kind of be yourself without having maybe just a little, at least a little nagging feeling that I need to have put on a good face or I need to, you know, make a good impression. Mm-hmm. So what is it about creating authenticity? How do you go about doing that? And what kind of benefits have you seen with Growth Co.? Mm, So I'll answer this with a story because I feel like vulnerability is 
the only way so far that we've been able to do it. We're still really new, so I'm sure that will change. But I think vulnerability will always remain a part of how we make that happen. We had a couple, and I have permission to share this from them, but we had a couple um, one night. It was a Thursday night. We were going to Music Bingo as a growth co-gathering here. And she sent me a text, and she was like, hey, we're actually not coming. We just got into a huge fight. And I'm like, and I don't ever want to be pushy. Like, I don't want it to feel like you have to come. But I just responded um, on my personal phone because we use text in church for our mass communication. But I texted her on my personal phone and I was like, hey, no pressure. You guys don't have to come. I understand how it can be after you've been fighting. But please know we don't care that you've been fighting. Like, you can come here and we're all still going to cut up and laugh and have a good time. And I felt guilty as a leader because I was like, have I not created the environment where they felt safe to come, even if they weren't like mm. in their tip top performing shape as a couple. And then they actually ended up still coming and they were really excited that they did and stuff. But um, I feel like I have to remain, I and the leadership team, whoever is involved in that outing, should remain vulnerable, open, and relatable. Like I'm never going to act like I don't go through my crap or that I don't have my own crap or that I don't cuss Tony out on our way to some things sometimes. You know, like that's just unrealistic. Um, I'm still figuring this out just like you are. So I feel like me, and I know everyone doesn't have that personality, but for me, I've always been able to say like, hey, this stuff sucks sometimes. Life sucks sometimes. I understand that you still belong here. Like you are still welcome here. You belong here. Let's do this thing together. I'll sit there and tell you about how sucky your day was too, if that's what you want, but you still need your community and we'll get through it no matter what it is. So I guess it would be vulnerability and um, being relatable, not pretending like I don't go through crap too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I joke about, um, you know, when people find out what I do for my job or the things I, I studied, you know, religion and mm-hmm. ministry and stuff in school. And sometimes you can see people kind of clam up and they're like, oh, okay. And so mm-hmm. I'll make sure that I cuss in front of them or I like yeah. order, <laughs> order a drink in front of them so they can be like, oh, okay, she's cool. <laughs> yeah, She's like me, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it's sad we have to do that, but it is, I'm glad that we get to do that. It's it's much better that way because I same. I feel like as soon as you say, "Oh, I'm a pastor," or "Oh, I work at a church," it's they become a different version of themselves that's not their authentic self, and mm-hmm. we don't want that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I actually had this happen just last night. Actually, um, oh boy, <laughs> we were at a, we were at a gathering, um, and somebody was talking about. The, well, I really want to meet the pastor of this church, da, da, da. We are at my church. And, <laughs> and somebody else was in the community. It was like a recovery gathering. And they're like, hey, uh, you should you should talk to the pastor of the church. Like, that's him. And, and she was like, oh, my God. Da, 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 da. But um, but then the, the 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 I think the trick as a leader, kind of the thing I'm always trying to focus on is how do I not let it shift into that? Mm-hmm. Okay, now I gotta like clean up and and yeah. portray something that's not true. And um, I love what you said about vulnerability. And when we kind of like open ourselves and share our wounds and share when things suck and when things are hard, and that we're all going through those, like nobody's immune to that. No matter how well or uh, you try to follow Jesus, um, that that you're gonna mess up right? You're going to make mistakes. And one of the things I love about a Wesleyan, um, you know, vision of following Jesus is that it's grace centered. It's like waves of grace. And it's like, yes, you're going to screw up. You're going to mess up. But God still loves you, you know, just as you are, not as you should be. And God's working in your life. And when you create that culture of like transparency, I think you actually see a lot more spiritual growth in -hmm. people and when you create that superficial culture, it's like, oh, yeah, we're all OK. We're all smiling. You know, we're blessed and highly favored of the Lord. No problems in my life. Right. It's like, but then if you hit a challenge or a wall with your faith and the whole thing kind of implodes. Right. 
because you haven't built it on, you know, truth and, yeah. and, and the honesty of your situation in your life. So um, what give an example of like, uh, you know, how you've led through your your own wounds or your own transparency. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to embarrass myself, but um, OK, so. Tony and I, and this is really weird as like kind of newlyweds, we celebrated our two year wedding anniversary on New Year's Eve. So we are still very fresh in all of this, but him and I, and like, I always say God has a sense of humor because Tony is like the most frustrating person to me ever, but he's my favorite person ever. So like, it's such a, such a conflicting thing, but I am like, punctuality is my thing. We have to be on time. Like I was just raised that way. We have to, have to, have to. Tony and his 10 siblings and 12 grandparents and everyone, everyone on his side of the family is late to everything. So he really gets it honest. But I remember over the summer, we went to the Whitewater Center, which is um, like a huge rafting place in Charlotte. And we were going to what was called the River Jam. So they have like live music. You can sit on the lawn, bring your pets, bring your kids. You can drink, you can eat, you can do whatever on the lawn. So we were going there. And as the leader, I feel like we need to be there. We need to be the first ones there if possible, just so that we can help everybody get to where we're like sitting and all of that. And we live about 40 minutes away. And long story short, Tony decided that he wanted to use the bathroom right when we were leaving the house. And I just went slap off on him, which I'm not proud of. And it's not something I should laugh at because I really had to apologize and go back and fix that. But I was just like infuriated because he knows that being on time is my jam. And I get very anxious if we're not, especially if it's at a growth code gathering. So we're in the car and he's just silent. I'm silent. And we get there and um, someone said something. They made a comment about how we were late, how how the growth code member had gotten there before we did. And I just started crying. I was like, yep, you did. Sorry. And they were like, no, we don't care. We wanted to make sure that we could help like if we needed to until you guys got there. And um, so then when everyone did get there, I went into how like I had worked myself up over nothing and how I should trust better. And it kind of just turned into like a mini lesson that was not planned at all. So that night at the White Water Center for River Jam, we talked about how it's okay when things don't go to plan. And how it's all right to be upset that things didn't go to plan, but it's going to be okay if they didn't. And so it was a lesson for me and everyone seemed to enjoy it anyways. And I did. I felt really bad for Tony afterwards, but (laughs) (laughs) I think he's used to me like freaking out, which again is not something I'm proud of, but I'm working on it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it was like a very um, Jesus thing to do, right? Because Jesus was always doing that like his disciples were messing up and then he would use it as a teaching moment or they were, you know, using the language, the agrarian, uh, you know, talking about seeds and sowers in the kingdom and things that people could understand. And I'm um, talking about, you know, just the natural processes of life and, and using that as like a, a place to focus our spiritual conversations, mm-hmm. um, which is more, I think powerful and and transformative than than just coming with some like preconceived thing that maybe is yeah. not landing where people actually are. But would you walk us through like uh for those who have no idea about Growth Co and what it does like give us a, a typical Growth Co gathering from start to finish. Like is there okay. prayer, is there some kind of sermonic conversation? Like walk us through it. And where where is it happening? Okay, so they're usually always different. We have online options and in-person options. Our online ones are a little more um, planned. So I will write out like a loose outline or agenda. I'll I'll come prepped with like some um, reflective questions just to keep the conversation flowing. So our online ones happen two times a month and Therefore, our local people or our non-local people, and 
that normally starts with um, a rose and a thorn, which is we go around and we share something good that happened since the last time we gathered and something not bad, but like a concern um, or a question that you've been thinking about. And so we start with that. And that's kind of our way to open it up and be vulnerable with each other. You don't have to share if you don't want to. Most of the time people do once they realize that people do actually share. Like a rose and a thorn aren't going to look like, um, I got an A on a test and I locked my keys out of the car. It's going to be more like, um, I handled this conflict better than I usually do. That's the rose. And then the thorn would be, um, I screamed at somebody that didn't deserve it. So there are things that really like show you who someone is and what they might be dealing with in their life. So that's just a simple way that we can get to know each other right off the bat. And then our meat of our conversations is um, reflective questions like (laughs) one we did around Halloween was um, what's your serial killer trait? Like what's something that we may not like to know about you, but we know. And someone's, which this is so creepy. Theirs was if they eat, um, they're actually vegan too, Piper, which made me think of you, but they eat the, um, like plant-based meat substitute things. And they're the chicken nuggets. They'll take the like skin off the chicken nugget and, and eat it, like pick at the chicken nugget and then eat all of the meat in one bite. And I was like, yeah, that's definitely a serial killer <laughs> trait. But that was just so strange to me. But anyway, um, so we'll do something fun like that. And then our reflective questions are around whatever our theme is. So for January, our theme is party pooper. Um, so it's just talking about how to not be or how to try not to be negative like we're never going to tell you that being negative is wrong because that's just a human response and reaction to things but just how to handle your negativity and how to work through it so we'll do a couple questions discussion style about um the theme and then at the end i'll say or i'll ask if there's anything that anyone wants to add and then we'll close with future um, roses and thorns for the next time in case they don't come. So roses and thorns for us, because a lot of people in our community get turned off by the phrases, prayer requests or, um, prayer concerns, however you want to call it. We usually will read like a poem or something that's a prayer to close. And then we ask for more, uh, for future roses and thorns that they may be anticipating. So that's what it usually looks like for our online gatherings. And then our in-person ones, we have the same theme, but I don't usually go with questions because there is something about being in person where the conversation happens a little more organically. So we do start with the roses and thorns to begin with, and then someone's going to spark something. I do a lot less work for the in-person gatherings. Normally, I don't have to say anything at all unless it just needs some synchronizing or getting everyone to stop eating or to come back to the table or something like that. But the discussion in person is usually led just by organic conversation. Nice. Thank you. I've noticed that too, with um, facilitating conversations, it takes a little more work online because people kind of hesitate and they don't want to like me and Michael just talked over each other. So nobody wants to do that. So everyone just waits and they hesitate for a second before they'll say something. (laughs) Um, But then in person, it's just easier to talk to somebody when you're looking at them and conversations do just flow more because there's not like a sense that like, like you almost feel worried that you'll like waste time or that you're taking up another person's like time or space when you're doing it virtually, but in person. Yeah. So when I facilitate those conversations, like you said, it's like, Oh, just kind of, you know, keep, if we have a direction we need to go in the conversation, I might just kind of like push it that way a little bit, but mostly I don't have to do much of anything. Just be part of the conversation, which is nice. And our online, um, our online's, has to be like that a little bit too because we're on a time a stricter time frame mm-hmm. like usually our online gatherings are an hour they might go like an hour 15 but our in-person things like when we play music bingo that can be two and three hours long so 
the online does have to be a little more structured just so we can get everything in and the in-person can be a lot more um, casual and organic. So tell us more about um, the in-person gatherings and why do you think that people, younger people, people that are joining Growth Co. are maybe drawn more to those kinds of spaces for building community as opposed to kind of traditional church buildings. Because with Fresh Expressions, that's part of what it's about is being accessible, being contextual, reflecting the culture that it's emerging from. Yeah, well, I think simply it's just um, exposure like when we go to music bingo, we're a very diverse group of people. And I don't, I'm not just saying that just because like I'm biracial, Tony's biracial. We have a lot of Hispanic, African-American, white, like Asian. We have a lot of different types of people in Growth Co. So when there's 15 of us at a huge table playing music bingo, people come up to us and they're like, Hey, what is this? Like it just, sparks conversation. So um, we've actually gotten a, a couple new Growth Co. members just from people coming up to us when we're already doing a gathering. Some have even joined us right then and there and they're like, oh, this is cool. And even if they never come back, like there's just something about seeing a group of young adults out and about that kind of raises curiosity for people. Um, and I think some of our people are just they're going to be at the Whitewater Center anyway. So why would they not want to join a community group that plans on going to the Whitewater Center or to the local brewery or to Top Golf or like those are just fun things that you would do in your free time. So why why not join a group that's going to develop you personally and spiritually and all those things. So um I would also say that Something I try really, really hard to do is not make it feel like once you come to one gathering, you are expected to come to every other one. Like if if we have one on Thursday in January and then in February you don't come to any, I'm not on your tail saying like, why aren't you here? What are you doing? I mean, I'll check up on them if I feel like there's a reason I'll check in and say, Hey, hope you're doing well. But I never say like, why haven't you come to a, to a gathering? Are you all right? Did we make you mad? Like I never press like that because I know what it's like to be 26, to be a newlywed or to just be figuring out life in general. And it's a lot to add one more thing to your plate and to your schedule. So really growth is more of a resource for you, for you to get what you want and need out of it not necessarily us feeling like if you don't come to us, then your life is going to be not good. If that makes any sense to anyone else's brain. but mine, <laughs> it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm just curious. So in your mind, um, what is spiritual maturity look like? Um, like somebody who, just kind of comes initially and they're starting in the gathering. Um, what is, what does maturation look like in, in growth co like when they get to a place of, um, you know, like they're kind of really spiritually growing and um, what are they doing at that point? Are they leading or what, what does that journey look like? Yeah, we have uh, a few options. So you can, come in and you can join a gathering. And then of course we have our giving, which most of our people, and I'm not sure if this is Growth Co. specifically, or if it's a young adult thing, most of our members do not jump at the opportunity to give financially. They are very quick to sign up to um, volunteer somewhere, they want to give materials to people. They will buy from an Amazon link. They will provide things for people, but they're not necessarily going to be like, I love Growth Co. Here's $100 for whatever that looks mm -hmm. like. Um, and again, I don't know if that's just us or if it's the whole thing. But 
So we have our giving, we have volunteering, we do have the leading. We are in the process now of having people lead online gatherings outside of myself. The in-person gatherings, like I said, I I can put them together, but I don't really do much for that. A lot of our leaders just take that over and um, we just chill and hang out. We are also planting other in-person gathering opportunities for people outside of where I am locally. So there's um, a pastor in Asheville named Sam, and he contacted me. And there's a ton of microbreweries in Asheville, North Carolina. And it's only about an hour and a half from where I am right now. And he was like, what would it look like for there to be Growth Co. in person in Asheville? And we're still working through that. We're going to talk about that later this month or next. But our next step will be, because our online, we have people from like 20 different states in our online thing. So that covers what we can. But our online people who are not here don't have the in-person opportunities. And we would love for them to get to make in-person friends as well. So our next step will just be trying to go to the cities where our online people are and provide them in-person gatherings. And obviously at that point, we will need people to step up and we will need leaders to lead those in-person things. So there's a little bit of everything. There's social media. Um, We have a team who shares our posts on their personal pages and that gets us some exposure. Um, Yeah, we have um, something that we call a weekday special which is every Wednesday we have like a motivational quote or a Bible verse, depending on what that person that week wanted to post about. Um, So we give them social media opportunities as well. Like, hey, this is a social media series that we do. Would you like to submit something for it? And they do. We have a little blog that hasn't been hot in a while, actually, because I haven't been intentional about it. But we allow anybody to write on our blog and it gets posted on Mondays. So it's different, but there are a lot of things that we can use to try to track people's spiritual growth. Cool. So one one of the uh, pushbacks that I get a lot about fresh expressions and micro church churches and intentional spiritual communities is uh, people in the inherited you know system will say, "Well, how are disciples uh, being made in that?" You get that a lot too, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I like to flip it back and say, well, how how has your church made disciples? Mm-hmm. You know, that's not great. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but like talk about do you have a story of like a person who you saw who was like, I'm just coming because this sounded cool or whatever. And then really kind of grew spiritually. Uh, mm-hmm. And you've seen that growth. Yeah. So, um, Julian, the leadership member who is atheist, his fiance, Allie, she has always received the text messages, received the subscription box. She follows us on Instagram. She's never really done anything past that. Like I've never had a one-on-one conversation with her. She doesn't really reply to our texts. Um, and as a leader, honestly, that used to really frustrate me, especially because I didn't know anything about church world anyway. So I would get really, I, I think I would confuse my feelings being hurt by being like pissed off. Cause I would always be like, why am I doing all of this? And these people aren't even replying. They don't care. Like, where are these people? And Andrea had to tell me one day, which I, totally needed. She was like, those people are still receiving your content. So whether they're like doing anything back yet is pretty much irrelevant. As long as they're getting or being exposed to your content, that should be good enough to start. And I would be like, whatever. Like I would be so mad about it. But really I think my feelings were hurt because I love Growth Coast so much and I know how helpful it can be that I just want everybody to be obsessed with it like I am, but that's just unrealistic. So anyway, Allie hadn't heard from her, hadn't talked to her or anything. I got a text from her four days ago, right after Christmas. And she texts my personal phone, not even our text and church phone number. And she says, hi, Lexi. Um, I know we've never really talked before. It was like a message that was like this long, but she said, I've got 
um, background in blah, blah, blah. And I really want to help Growth Co. with blah, blah, blah. Is this possible? And I like reread the message over and over. And I was like, did I save her number wrong? Like, is this even the right alley? Like, am I thinking of someone else? And I, um, we texted back and forth a little bit. And I essentially told her like, I don't know what day it is. Can we wait until after the first of the year? But um, she was really nice about that too. She gave me a lot of grace. Thank goodness. Um, but now she like blows up my phone and she's like, what growth code does is, is incredible. I'm so happy to have watched Julian and my spirituality grow. And I'm excited to see what this year holds. And like, she wants to essentially run our social media. And I'm like, okay, well, there was, there was my slap in the face Mm -hmm. that like, sometimes people are building and growing in in the shadows and you can't see it. And then one day it's just going to like, bam. That's awesome. Wow. So, yeah. And of course, go figure another lesson for mm-hmm. me as a leader. So <laughs> those are, those tend to, they tend to just come and then they keep coming. Don't they? <laughs> it's great. Yep. You, yeah. Okay. So you did mention, <laughs> this is a kind of like a more logistic practical question, but I think maybe our listeners could benefit. Um, and I think as young people, would you are you considered Gen Z or millennial? I don't know. I was born mm. in ninety six. So you're like in between, maybe, or like an, you're like an old Gen Z or something. Really young millennial or old Gen Z, oh. <laughs> old elderly Gen Z. No, but um, but yeah. so social media, I think, comes very very natural to you. But then you also have this degree in marketing. So what can you say to folks who might be don't have that? who like how powerful is using social media on a local level and if you're trying to do something online that might even be like worldwide like how beneficial is it really and how can you go about doing it in a way that might not be too difficult any advice well let me i'm pulling it up here so i can give accurate numbers One thing that we've been doing this for about a year with our Growth Coast social media, one thing I can say is for us specifically, our 20s and 30s, um, mainly more our 20s, is Facebook doesn't work that well for us. I use Facebook. I love Facebook. But um, our posts on there get like five or 10 likes. It's, it's not that big of a deal. Our Instagram is really where we see the most growth. Like in a year we have gained 197 followers. And of those 197, about 120 are people that we have no contact information for, but they're on there liking them, liking our posts, sharing our posts, interacting when we put polls on there and stuff like that. So we count those people as some growth code members because it's that's the same content that they're going to get if they're getting our text in church text messages. So if you don't want to give out our phone your phone number but you want to follow us and see everything we do on Instagram, that's fine for us. We don't really we don't care that much because we can still contact you on here. I DM people that I have no idea who they are all the time. And we have conversations. So I think it's a difference of like some personalities or maybe even ages. Like they're my little sister. I have a 16 year old on my mom's side, little sister, and her sole form of communication is Snapchat. I don't have Snapchat. So like when I text her or I call her, it's immediately like if I call her, it rings once and she hangs up on me. And then she sends me a text and she's like, Hey, what do you want? I'm like, you can't answer the phone, you know, like I'm your sister. I just, but that's just how some people are. They don't want it to be that personal, but they're still like interested in what you're doing and they mm. want to see what you're doing. So that's been kind of strange for me because I'm just so like, I'm a people person, but I'm beginning to pick up on that a little bit more. Um, that sometimes it's okay depending on what people want. Something else that we've done though, if you're not great with like graphic design and all of those cool fancy schmancy things, I use Canva, even though I have an advertising degree, like I know how to use the whole Adobe suite and I still choose to use Canva just because it's a lot easier for me. And Photoshop takes me three hours and Canva will take me 
15 minutes. But something that we started doing that's been really, really popular is making sure that we have member spaces on our page. Like we have a ton of, I'm not sure if you guys can see that, but we have a ton of graphics that I've made, but we also have a ton of like birthday celebrations. Like this is a girl, Kristen, who's just a part of Growth Co. It's her birthday. We reach out to her, ask her if she'd like us to post about her or if it's okay. And then we, happy birthday to our girl, Kristen. She's an amazing addition to the Growth Co. family and she's as sweet as can be. That's 30 likes Mm -hmm. right there. Like people... People want it to be personal or they don't. I don't know. It's a mix of everything. So we try to do the graphics. We try to do the meet the teams. We try to do TikToks. We try to do birthdays, anniversaries. How can we celebrate life with our members outside of just sending them a text? So, and again, I don't have all the answers. We're still trying things. Some of our stuff just doesn't work and we have to poo-poo it, but the birthday celebrations and having members' faces on social media seems to work really well because it gives mm-hmm. people something. Yeah, they people can like make. to see faces and the human element. Yeah. And TikTok is fun. I try, I wish I could be more serious on TikTok, mm-hmm. like theology wise, but I'm just not there yet personally, like in my own journey. So I just try to be funny. That, like That works best. Yeah. Christian TikTok funny. So. Your 16 year old sister to teach you some dances or something. (laughs) I'm sure she knows them. All the TikTok dances. (laughs) Yeah. So, how do people find you? How do people find you? um, Like for the online or in person? Do they just find you through social media, word of mouth? So far, yes. I mean, we have a website, we have our. social media accounts, most of our members will reshare their stuff. And that's how we get new people. So at first, when I made this Instagram account, I myself was going through um, all of my follower, my personal followers, all of other people that I went to high school's followers, and I was manually like, following people, DMing them, trying to just like get the word out there. But now we've gotten the momentum and to the point where when a member shares one of our posts onto their Instagram stories and someone like messages them back, they're able to talk about it because we've created like the environment where the language is relatively the same so that if they're talking to me or they're talking to Amber, they're going to hear the same message. It's not going to be different. Well, it will be different if Amber knows that person personally, then she's able to personalize it, which is something that they would never get from me, which I honestly think would be better to get something personalized than to just go, hey, I want to talk to Lexi. Well, why would you want to talk to me when you can talk to someone that you know just to start? You know what I mean? Um, So now our our best way to get new people is be- is through the new people DMing us and saying, hey, how can I sign up for this online gathering? And then I'll step in and say, oh, hey, it's nice to meet you. Here's the link. Here's a typical like session and gathering. And they're either down for it or they're not. That's something else with the online. Some people get, I don't know if it's shy. I don't know if it's personality things, but like they will want to join really, really badly. And then they, they just can't, or they won't. I, I don't, I don't know why that is. And I think I have a hard time understanding because I'm just not a shy person. I never have been. So, um, that's something I would like to work on this year is I already feel like it's a very opening environment and welcoming environment but how can I help the people who really are terrified to meet new people because it is I I can see how it would be an intense entering but I'm also on the side where it's like well if you don't do it then you're never gonna do it you know what I mean so I would like to figure out this year how to possibly do that but yeah I I was gonna jump in there um you know, you really are using digital technology to do discipleship and church and spiritual formation. Um, a lot of the conversations I have with churches and, and church leaders is around like 
streaming worship services and and they they think that that's you know online church or um you know getting getting our church up with a facebook uh you know page or whatever which <laughs> you two make me feel super old in this conversation right now but um and both of you you too piper you you like use social media piper yeah. has like a million followers on tiktok and does public theology and um but like you you are doing spiritual formation through these through these mediums um and that's something that like segues into this next question about where you see the future of christianity heading um but for for people who are like um you know there's all this research around digital immigrants and digital natives so some people born with the phone in their hand you know your little sister who would rather do you know snapchat and text messages rather than um we're experiencing technology differently and it 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 creates a different kind of connection and feeling for people and there is like a generational thing to that but you're really leading into a space where you're connecting with emerging generations right which are just completely absent in most uh churches and congregations and systems so i had two questions one how does growth coat like relate to an inherited congregation like do you have a kind of a planting church that supports you in your relationship and then two would what's kind of the future of the church where do you see it heading like say 10 20 years down the road tell us what you what you think the church is looking like okay so to answer the first question we do have um a planting church it's west united methodist which is where i started as the children's and youth um, and we we intermingle by inviting Growth Code members to serve at like our Halloween extravaganza, our Easter, our like anything fun that we do throughout the year or West missional stuff. Growth Code's always invited to do those things. Now, if they show up, that's a whole other question because normally they don't, but they are always invited. There are some though, we have two families who go to West every Sunday. And then they participate in Growth Co. just because, mm. like, because they want that community of people their age. Um, so that's another thing I forgot to mention. Growth Co. really is, I know I said it was a resource, but it's what you want it to be. It can be church for you, or it can be something on the side that's just a community. It can be personal development. It could be communal development. It doesn't have to be spiritual but our foundation is and everything that we do is, but if you don't want to call it that, that's fine too. <laughs> um, so yeah, we just try to intermingle the two churches as best as we can. Um, where do I see the church? I don't know. I get stuck in my own head in a place where I don't, I don't want to disrespect the inherited church because it's something that I've like now bought into. Like I'm a local pastor, so I'm not going to say like everything you've done up until this point is wrong. Cause that's just not true mm. necessarily. But I do feel like the church in 20 years is not going to be a place that you go on Sunday mornings or the same building every Sunday morning. I don't, that's just my opinion. I think Fresh Expressions is going to be the, the main, if not the only way that people are like really trying to continue to develop their spiritual journey. That could be wrong, but I just, from what I've seen in the local churches that I hear about or going through ordination, like they're all just not doing so hot. They're not thriving. And so it's either going to require like a huge pivot from everybody in all the churches, or I think it's just going to look completely different in 20 years, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, I think the fusion of everyday life and your spiritual experiences should be in whatever you would do normally. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. That's all I got That's for you on that one though. Cause I, that's a place I try not to go too often because I get a little like, mm. ooh, am I being mean? Am I yeah, being... good. I don't know. No, I think that's I think that's good. I think you got there's gotta be a little tough love 
you know, <laughs> when it comes to these conversations. But yeah. I think that's great. I think I think that's an interesting. You yeah. said you think that it's it's not going to be like in the same building every Sunday, or that it's going to look like coming to the traditional spaces, which is really tough because for a lot of people that was the space that it feels like it feels like an extension of their home and their identity. It's the place where they got baptized. It's where they're, they got married. It's where their kids were dedicated, like all of these different things. And so it has, there's a deep connection that a lot of people have that this, these emerging generations don't feel or sense as much. And I feel like it's, it's not that people don't have that sense of like that certain places or spaces are special and can be holy and sacred and part of their identity, but it almost feels like that has extended and has changed in a different way. So then it becomes the neighborhood, you know, the town I went to college and I stayed because I loved it so much. My hometown, um, my local bar that now everybody knows me and knows my name, you know, people find those places, those identities, connected to space in a whole different way. And I think that the church is going to naturally, whether it's on purpose or not, it's going to be emerging out of those, out of those spaces and those identity markers, I think. Yep. I mean, even like how you guys do the tattoo church, I could totally see a church sharing space with a bar. So like it functions as a regular bar for financial stability as well. But then like you host church in it, your staff members work there during the week. Like it's shared spaces, I think is maybe a more generous way to put it than just like the buildings mm-hmm. are going to be dead. Mm-hmm. In yeah. I like, like uh, reimagining it. And we are seeing more and more churches do that. Like, I don't know exactly the details. Maybe Michael, you could talk about it, but like mm-hmm. Miami first, here Miami first UMC they have they're redoing their whole building and creating like affordable housing is that right I'm not sure the exact story but anyway imagining the buildings in this new and different way that's a cool idea yeah yeah and co-space co-space is that what they call it like I've always dreamed of working in the same now it's probably not ideal for someone like me because I would just end up talking all day and would not get any work done. But having places where like, let's say the three of us worked in the same town together, but our jobs happen to be remote, like we didn't have a building to go to, the three of us could go to the same space every day and work together and build relationships and maybe become close friends, maybe explore spirituality together. I think it's a cool idea to get people who wouldn't normally like be in each other's lives into the same spaces and then see what yeah. happens from there. Yeah. I so love Lexi, tell our listeners what, what can they look for coming from you in the future? Like how can they connect with you? Uh, what projects are you working on? That's coming soon. Those kind of things. Okay. Well, our website is thegrowthco.org. Our Instagram is at thegrowthcolife. Our TikTok is the same, at thegrowthcolife. Our subscription boxes this year, we're going to try to revamp them. Growthco has a brewery theme um, just because it's really fun to have everything have some sort of like tie into the brewery. And our subscription box is now called the Six Pack. And that's because we put six tangible items in there. And then I write a little devotion. We have Bible verses and um, motivational quotes. And we send those out for free to our people. Um, Whether you're local or not local, you can receive one of those. So we are going to vamp those up. And we're going to be more intentional about what goes into them, making sure they're out in a timely manner now. (laughs) Because they may not have been in the past, but hopefully they will be this year. We're going to expand and have in-person gatherings outside of location or outside of the Charlotte area. So in other locations that we have members at, um, hopefully we'll do some conferencing. Um, I'll develop as a leader a little bit more. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else is planned. That's all so far. The future is open, right? But there's lots of possibilities. That's cool. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will put links to yeah. all of those, all the yeah. social media and your website and stuff so people can find you in the episode description and things like that. Okay. And so again, thank you so much, Lexi, for being here with us today. And to those listening, thank you for joining along on this episode of New People, New Ways. If you enjoyed our conversation with Lexi Hernandez, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever social media that you're listening through or whatever platform you're listening through. And if you would like to learn more about Fresh Expressions, you can check out freshexpressionsfl.org and find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. See you next time on New People, New Ways.